What's going on, guys? We are back with another episode of the Revive Cast. We have been on a slight hiatus over, oh my God, it's been uh, probably two months, I would say, since uh, we've recorded one of these. Uh, life has been crazy. Life has been good. Um, so we are trying to get back into the groove of getting to record roughly one session a week, um, give or take, depending on schedule. Uh, so let's kind of get right to the point here. So in today's episode, we're going to do almost a part two, in a sense, to um, my guest on today's episode is, of course, my lovely wife, Nicole. How's it going, Nicole? <laughs> it's good. Uh, so if you guys remember from one of our first episodes, um, she was uh, diagnosed and going through stage four um, adrenal exhaustion, adrenal insufficiency, uh, whatever terminology you want to use. And now we are five months, six, six, six months uh, past the beginning. Um, and we're going to kind of discuss her journey, where she's at now, uh, things she experienced along the way, how she came out ahead because she is now out of the woods um, and give you guys a little kind of inside view of her process uh, from a physical perspective, mental perspective, um, because this is becoming a little more common than I'd like to see. There's a lot of people going through adrenal issues uh, to, to different degrees, obviously. And, and the unfortunate thing is like the medical community, they don't really address this unless it is actual adrenal insufficiency, um, which is sad because it's like they don't think there's a problem unless you're just not producing cortisol for the most part, uh, which is obviously uh, not the case. You can have too high cortisol all the time. You could have a flipped circadian rhythm to where you have low cortisol production in the morning and it's high in the evening time when it's supposed to be the opposite. Uh, so there's a lot of dysregulation that can occur from different stressors in life, life events themselves, traumas, um, di- over dieting, uh, overworking, under recovering. There's all kinds of things that can lead to these issues. And they're typically coming from stuff that's done over a chronic period of time. It's never like one acute thing that causes this. And it snuck up on Nicole. Um, she does all the things she's supposed to do with the nutrition and the resting and the recovering and the eating. Uh, and she just started having all these symptoms and then it became what it was, uh, surprising to us. It was a good journey for a learning experience as well to where now she can share this experience. Um, we can obviously take the learning tool with our clientele and help them along the way. So I'm just going to let Nicole kind of put us through her journey um, and give us some more perspective from someone that's actually went through the process. Cause I think that's a big thing that if you're talking to somebody that's actually been through it, as opposed to maybe a doctor or somebody that just knows about it, two different perspectives. Um, so obviously in the last episode, you had just started the protocol to start correcting these things. So let's backtrack a little bit to that part of the journey to when you were diagnosed, we saw that you were not producing cortisol for the most part to things we start, you started putting into play and then kind of the journey to where you are now. Okay. So where we left off, I had done a Dutch test in December of last year, but I didn't put a protocol into place until mid January or so. So it's probably been 
a little bit longer than the six month period really really um mm-hmm. definitely it was right around the six month mark till I actually retested but um 2020 you know just like lots of people it was a stressful year but I had um, a surgery that year we also decided to move states so those were some of the contributing factors from a stress standpoint you know I had the physical stressor of recovering from the surgery which was harder than I anticipated and then also the emotional stress of packing up your home figuring out all the details um, and when you're moving states there's just a lot um, going on <laughs> and so and then not to mention leaving dear friends and you know the emotional impact that that had as well so basically like you had you had mentioned even in the last episode like I tend to do a lot of the right things but I can admit during that time period especially when we were like packing up our home and things like that I'm very routine person I like my home to be a certain way and when you're selling your furniture and packing up all your belongings some of those routines tend to go out the window so I wasn't as adamant with my meditation and yoga and even um, just finding time for myself um, just quiet time which I know personally are big things that keep me centered and keep my stress lower so how how long would you say you were out of your normal structure routine time I would say from at least June until October because then we moved in September and then I'm still unsettled unpacking and getting our new home put together so I would say there was a good five five, six months yeah to where I wasn't as structured and I wasn't prioritizing those other things. And then I also know that during higher stress periods for myself, I'm one of those people that I will unintentionally tend to eat less. Um, My appetite goes down. You know, some people, they get stressed, they overeat. I tend to go in the opposite direction. So there was probably multiple factors. I can say for certain I was never overtraining you know, I'm a sweet spot of four days per week. That was consistent. And I did have to take two months off the gym anyhow during my recovery from mm. my surgery. So I don't think overtraining was a factor, but I do think the emotional stress, the recovery from the surgery, I did maybe go back into training, even though I followed the recommendations, maybe it was still too soon for me or maybe... Um, my intensity was more than it should have been. It's hard to say. Yeah, I wouldn't say you did anything wrong, but it's just we didn't expect, like, the surgery, you got better, you started training after X amount of time like you were supposed to and as it was prescribed. But then it's like that stress was added on top of the stress of the move. So we don't think about that, you know, necessarily as a stressor. It's just something going on in life. We deal with it. We we keep training because we think we're supposed to because it's part of our routine and structure to be healthy, mm-hmm. um, not knowing that this is actually combating and making the issue worse because we don't know there's an issue. Right. Because you're just going, go, go, go. You got to get shit done. 
um, packing, doing check-ins, taking care of day-to-day stuff. Mm-hmm. And before you know it, you know, six weeks has gone by, two months has gone by. Um, you move, you get here, stuff's still going on for the next two months in that order almost. Right. Finding time to work out, getting settled, uh, getting used to just being around different people and stuff like that. And then you wake up one morning and it's like, wow, something doesn't feel right. And I tell this a lot with clients too, now that I can recognize some of those things because what our physiology is supposed to do during high stress periods is to pump out the the cortisol and the, you know, epinephrine and, you know, we're supposed to be on high alert and that's what gets us through those periods. And short periods of that are okay and we're equipped for it. It's just when it becomes prolonged. And I see this now with clients where all of a sudden they've had, you know, a death in the family or they've changed jobs or they've moved and they're able to operate at that high stress threshold. But then when things start to calm down, it's almost like your body crashes with it. So the threat is no longer there, but then maybe you become more aware because you're in somewhat of a calmer state. And so it's been interesting because then I can ask the right questions like, you know, are you feeling um, kind of flatlined through the day or they'll sleep? They're like, I'm sleeping, you know, nine, 10 hours and I still don't feel awake, you know, and these are not that they're not always signs, but they are signs where we can say, you know, maybe it would be in your best interest to do a cortisol test so that we can just be safe and we know like what's going on. So as far as my journey, once we knew that the cortisol levels were flatlined and we had that, you know, data. So then we put, you know, protocols into place. I had backed off my training. I was only training two days per week. I wasn't to get my heart rate over 110 beats per minute. Mm -hmm. We probably did that for a good eight weeks. months, yep. Yeah. And then um, I was, you know, doing walking, yoga, started to add my meditation back in all the things that I know are good for me. But again, when there's a lot going on, they're also the first thing to be pushed to the side. Um, so, but you did, got like during that, so you're two months in doing the protocol and then things are starting to move a little bit in the right direction and you start having days to where you're feeling better. You're a little bit more energetic but we have yeah, some de- we we have some detours in that right because our mindset is i have more energy since i have more energy and over the last two months i haven't had any so i, I you know i listened to that and didn't do anything but now that i have it all of a sudden i'm going to do more mm-hmm. it's like a normal reaction there's nothing you know uh negative about that but from a physio- physiological perspective there is a negative because of the context of the situation because you are dealing with the adrenal insufficiency. And now that you have those periods to where you're feeling better, that's a good sign. But it doesn't necessarily mean that you need to... That you're fixed. That you're fixed (laughs) and you can go back to doing what you were doing prior to all this. So when did you figure out that that was an issue? Like when you 
had that happen a few times. Well, you know, I had you in my corner. I had Vince Pitstick as well that I was checking in with periodically to to monitor my progress, get some feedback as well. And so, you know, he had warned me, like, don't get too excited when things Mm -hmm. start to, you know, feel good. But to be honest, like, it was not immediate. It was not even at the two-month mark that I really started to, like, turn a corner. Um, I would start to have, you get to a place where, you know, you feel a little bit clearer. Like, brain fog was huge for me. Um, and I was still, I was sleeping, you know, eight hours a night, nine hours a night, um, but still kind of that groggy feeling in the morning, things like that. Those things did not change, to be honest, until about four months in. So, but yes, I would have days where I was like, okay, this reminds me of like what it feels like to feel good. And you would want to, um, you know, even if it's just as simple as like, you know, doing things around the house and, um, you know, your training, you know, I would intentionally always have my watch where I could see my heart rate because I just know, like, if I'm not monitoring it and I'm not seeing it, then I'm going to push harder. And so um, training, you know, I would definitely be watching my heart rate. Um, And then part of it, too, Um, as far as like, you know, we've discussed like surrendering to the process anytime there's any sort of healing that needs to be involved, you know, balancing hormones, whatever it is, fixing your gut. And so I just wanted to be in a place where whatever needed to be done, you know, I wanted to like follow the plan, just like we tell clients, you know, and with these types of issues where the adrenals were extremely fatigued, you know, very low output of cortisol, you know, I could either start to feel better in three months or this process could take a year. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to do what needed to be done so that I could, you know, potentially feel really good in six months and not have to like extend this out. Um, But back to what you were saying, yes, I would have days where I would um, feel better. You know, sometimes it would kick me in the butt because I'd do too much, and then I'd have a day where I would crash. So you didn't want to have that one step forward, two steps back. So after it happened a couple of times, I just kind of learned my lesson. Like, you know, you still need to – you need to go slow. Don't don't assume that you're in a much better place where you can just do whatever you want. Yeah, and then along this process, obviously, with the the lifestyle changes in the sense of obviously pulling back on training and pulling back on life a little bit um, and supplementation support uh, that was changed throughout. And then we're not going to give out protocols, guys, because it's completely different for everybody on how we kind of adjust these things. Uh, But um, the nutritional aspect, too, because you had to feed up during this. It wasn't like just because you're not doing a lot less activity that you eat a lot less food. Not to say we're like in a crazy overabundance of calories, but you still had to be fed up to a degree because you have to support the adrenals through nutrients, right. not just supplementation. Cause a lot, a lot of people think because the activity levels do drop that they think they need to eat less food, right. but then you're going to become nutrient deficient and don't have the cofactors and stuff to support adrenals and other hormones. Um, and then you kind of self-sabotage that way. 
So you have to feed up what you did um, using various foods, whole foods, obviously, salads, lots of fruits, lots of vegetables, smoothies with medical-based foods. Like there's all kinds. I mean, calories got to a pretty good spot. The key there was using foods that were lower volume but high calories. Yeah. Um, So we get to like five, six months, kind of like on the tail end where you pretty much feel good all around almost every day. Um, Now we start gradually bringing training back up, testing the waters. Like we don't just go five days a week. So you bump it up three, four days a week of weight training, bring intensity levels back up. Um, Obviously, because you hadn't been doing that for so long, soreness was there and little things that typically you would experience. Um, And then from there, it's just continuing to monitor recovery, see how things are moving along. If they're moving, I've seen that linear trajectory. Uh, Continue to feed up. Now that activity is coming back, feeding up even more to fuel the system. So make sure we're not putting another stress on the body. Um, And then it's just literally from there, it's somewhat going back to what was normal prior to all this happening. One of the big things that I could tell as far as just in line with like feeling better, I could tell a huge difference in my training sessions Um, and to give people a, a more clear timeline for myself anyhow. So, you know, it was a good two months of two days a week training. Yep. And then I went to three days. And the two days a week, that was like 30 minutes. Yeah, it was low intensity. Low volume, low intensity, low frequency, low everything. Like two full body days a week, pretty much it. Lots of rest, no supersets, no metabolic stuff. Right. And then, um, you know, three days a week, still at the low intensity. Like, Mm. you know, it wasn't really until probably month five that I, you know, was able to get my heart rate up. I was starting to feel better. I would say even at this point, oh, but back to the workout. So I could tell, I could feel the difference. Like sometimes you don't realize how much you don't have to give until you have something to give in my training sessions. Like, well, one, if you have low cortisol, you're not, you're going to get zero pump. Like that's just the way that it is. Um, and myself, I remember looking back and like after the surgery and then going back into the gym and honestly, I thought it was something like with the surgery, having my implants removed, like just my upper body being weak. But now I realize it had nothing to do with that. Like I just couldn't get a pump. Um, so that was something that, you know, I could feel even just the endurance aspect, um, felt better, So that was a good sign to me, like, I'm in a much better place. And then I started to wake up in the mornings on my own with, um, I could, you know, once I knew what it felt like to have no cortisol spike in the morning, um, you know, you can become in tune with like, okay, my body's naturally waking up on its own. So I could tell even before the test, like, something's coming back, like my cortisol's rising. Um, So which was a nice feeling obviously yeah so we get to the end point here with and we've um putting this uh, on the if you're watching this on youtube we're gonna have the side by side of where she was um with her original cortisol test and then the second one what you'll also see on the second one it's actually a little bit high mm-hmm. but that's a normal okay it, it, it rebounds a little bit which is okay because 
a lot of people I've seen do that and then they panic and they go to the other extremes. Oh, it's too high now. I need to pull it back down. And now you're just like bouncing all over the place to make the situation worse. So a rebound, a little bit of a rebound is normal guys. Um, but now, you know, we've come to the end of the journey. Um, everything's back to normal for the most part. For the you know? most part. Yeah, I, I mean, would say I have probably every three weeks I might have a day where I can like feel that same type of fatigue but, but it's, it's still it's night a, and day yeah it's just that, but that's more at this point a normal response from daily stressors and stuff in life it's not necessarily the cortisol is just dropped again right because right? again this guy this this stuff happens over periods of time it's not in three weeks you're going to have stage four adrenal exhaustion no it, it doesn't work that way um so take that into context you may just feel tired one day <laughs> that's that's normal there's nothing wrong with that it, but it's when this is like trending that direction. It's always happening all the time for weeks on end. Okay, there's a red flag there. You need to take a step back and address the situation. Because a lot of people are just, they kind of, their head in the sand and don't look at these kind of indicators. And then it's too late. And unfortunately, you get to positions like Nicole was in. And then it's like a bigger uphill battle. It's six months or more sometimes to correct these issues. And it's not a fun process. It just isn't because you can't do a lot of stuff you want to do. But we just wanted to bring you guys full circle of where she started her journey, seeing that she came out on the other end, like ahead. And she's, you know, in a better place where she's thriving now at this point in her life. But she had to go through the steps. She had to accept the journey. She had to surrender to the healing for this to be where it is now. If not, like I have clients that's dealing with this for longer than this because there's too many detours along the way. And they do the things to a degree, but then they kind of backtrack a little bit and go, it's like this back and forth. When you're dealing with stuff that's this serious, you have to take it serious and you have to be all in, or it's just going to prolong the situation. Doesn't mean you're not ever going to get better, but it does make it a much longer process than it needs to be. Um, so, you know, some, some kind of like take homes from this um, is make sure, like we always preach, that you're managing stress to the best of your ability, you're going to have stints like, you know, Nicole had surgery. We moved. Uh, a lot of it was unexpected, honestly, except for the surgery a little bit. Um, and you just have to deal with it the best you can. Knowing what we know now, I don't say she was just wouldn't have been training at all during all this stuff, really. Like, that would have been pulled because she was just doing everything from an internal perspective was like her insides were working out all the time, 24-7. And then she was training on top of that too much for her body, her personal body to handle. Could I have handled it? Like if I went through that, yeah, I could probably handle more than she can from a physiological perspective. So it is an independent person to person. Um, some people don't see these things happening for years. And then at some point their body reaches, reached that threshold. Well, it's like, I used to do this all the time. Why is it happening to me now? Cause your body's literally just had enough at that point And you went over the tipping point and now all the shit hit the fan. Like, it just is what it is. There's no direct timeline for this for anybody. It's all individual. Everybody's got different levels of resiliency of what they can and cannot handle. Um, but take symptoms for real. Like, take them, and if it's trending in a certain direction all the time consistently, we like testing, obviously. We want to see, like, what's actually going on internally, not guess at this stuff. Um, that's just a big part of our coaching at this point. Like, we don't want to sit there and waste three months because we're just guessing at things when we can just get some true data points and just start the healing process right out of the gate in the right way. Um, so I hope you guys seeing this know that 
these things can be corrected if you're willing to put forth the effort and, you know, accept the journey for what it is, do what you need to do if you want to get it corrected in a much more efficient timeline instead of dealing with this for years. Because we have people that come to us who have dealing with, been dealing with this stuff for years. And I'm talking about years, and it could be because of past traumatic uh, trauma, childhood experiences, whatever. Um, and it's just a much longer journey, unfortunately. Uh, but I hope you guys got a lot out of this, seeing Nicole and her journey, how far she's come. She's on the other side. She, we've taken this experience as we do all of them and make it a learning tool um, to teach everybody a better way to do things and also understand that things just happen. Like sometimes you just can't prevent shit from happening and that's okay. But when you figure out what the issue is, start addressing it immediately to start getting back to that place that we all want to be, which is thriving and healthy in our lives. Uh, do you have anything for anybody to take home or have I pretty much said everything? <laughs> Cause I like to talk. Let's Almost. be real. Uh, yeah. I mean, you pretty much touched on it all. I would just say, you know, just briefly touching on the mindset perspective, because I did get a lot of questions about how did you handle, you know, the not training, the, you know, getting softer or any of, you know, the physical cosmetic part of it. And to be quite honest, sometimes when you feel bad, it's just the least of your concerns. And so I think that I was willing to be patient and willing to put cosmetics aside in order to feel better. Yeah. And so that would just be my advice also. Yeah. Yeah, guys. So just keep it simple. Um, um, listen to your body. If something's going on, you know, deal with it. Obviously, you can reach out to us as well if you need to. Um, so I hope you got a lot out of this podcast, guys. We're happy to be back finally after months. Um, again, we're going to start doing this more on a regular basis. We promise to get at least one out per week. Um, I promise. Um, and... Obviously, if you have any questions, feel free to DM us. Um, if you could, hit that subscribe button. Uh, give us a positive review. You know, just support us so we can keep giving you guys good information. Um, yeah, glad to be back, guys. Uh, and we will talk to you soon.